Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hey there, guys. Thanks so much for clicking on this episode of Disability After Dark. I love that we're talking about this and we're having a conversation around sex and disability. So thanks for clicking. It means a lot. Also, just before we dive into this episode, I'm always looking for new topics. I'm especially looking for new topics now that we've gone over our 40 episode mark, which I can't even believe is a thing that's happened. I am, so I am really excited for that, but I want more topics. I want to get more nuanced. I want to hear your experiences. I want to think about things that I haven't thought about, think about experiences that I haven't had or can't have based on my identity. I want to be able to really go deeper into the discussion around sexuality and disability. So, if you have an idea that I haven't talked about yet on the show, something that is really like, oh my goodness, we need to talk about this, let me know via email or Twitter. On Twitter, it's Andrew Gerza, that's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A, and my email is pretty much the same, andrew at andrewgerza.com. And let me know stuff that I should be talking about, episodes that I can build around things you want to hear so we can keep having a really nuanced, intersectional discussion around sex and disability. Thanks, guys. Now let's get on with the show. Back in January of this year, I wrote a piece for Huffington Post Queer Voices that I wanted to kind of kind of illuminate some stuff about that's not what I wanted to say. I wanted to uh, expand on an article. Let me t- explain to you what the article is all about first. And we'll go from there. I clearly, I'm, I ha- did not become organized today with my notes and everything for this episode. It's kind of an episode that I'm doing on the fly because I wanted to get an episode in the can. And here it is. But the article that I wrote for HuffPost was called Four Things You Should Never Say to the Queer Cripple During or After Sex. And this is kind of one that I've been wanting to write for a while. I've wanted to write this for a while, actually for a couple of years. But I didn't have the language. I didn't have the words. I didn't have the... It Just when you, when you blog, any bloggers out there or anybody who creates content knows, when you're creating content, it has to come to you. It has to really f- work. It has to feel right when you release it. Otherwise, it just feels flat. I have tried to release podcast episodes. I did I remember at one point I did a whole podcast episode on something that I was super passionate and excited about, but it just fell flat. It didn't work. So literally this article um took me about really honestly two years to write. Um and it's really only eight hundred words. It's nothing like substantial, but just the idea had to grow and so I think with this article it did. I also I also find it particularly interesting that with this article, I got a lot of backlash for using the term queer cripple on HuffPost. 
So much so that the HuffPost editor on their Facebook page had to come to my defense and say, listen, this guy is using language that he's choosing to use for himself. So this article, there's a lot of stuff going on in this article, but I'm going to use this episode to expand on this article, kind of talk about it, talk about my feelings about each part. It's broken down into the four things you should never say. So for each thing, I'm going to expand on the story, tell you, my podcast listening audience, more than what's in the article and kind of give you some insight into each story. And then I'm also, I also ask people on my, on my social media some of the weird things that they have had happen to them during sex, weird things people have said, and they've given me permission to talk about that on the episodes via Facebook. So I'm going to take their comments, I'm going to protect their names, and I'm going to share and paraphrase some of their comments just to show you some of the weird shit that people with disabilities are said, are are said, again, I can't speak today, are told when they're trying to engage in sex by people who, whether they're meaning to or not, whether they're well-intentioned or not, are just ignorant. And and I kind of also want to explain how each of these comments plays a part in how you feel about yourself. So let's get to it. I love it when I'm lying with a partner and we've just finished having great sex and we're kind of all sweaty and we're kind of relaxed and we're just kind of hanging out. The afterglow of after you fuck somebody. We've all been there. Um, and so you're lying with that person and you're all comfortable and it's like, it's like wow, we just did that. Now we're connected for life because we just fucked. That's how I feel anyway. Um, and you, you know, they say, for me, they'll say things like, wow, I've never done that before. Or I've never done it like that before. They'll say things that make me really excited to be disabled and having sex with them make me feel empowered because I was able to use that experience to give them something new. And so that's that for me is really a, it's a sexy thing to say when guys tell me they've never done that before, or they've never done it like that before, or they've never been with a guy with a disability before, but they just came really hard and it was fun. Like, that's super exciting for me to hear. Um, and it makes me feel good. But really, that kind of stuff pales in comparison to the stuff I hear around people being uncomfortable around sex. I hear that way more often than I do the, the good stuff. So usually after sex, I'll hear really awkward things. And so I wanted to share some of the juicy, awkward things that I hear and talk about each of them in terms of a story. So I'm going to tell you the first one. One of the things I hear an awful lot is this. Before I tell you what they said or, and what I've heard, picture this. So you, so you and I have just had sex, and I just asked you to help me get dressed and back into my wheelchair. Now, this is a process that takes some time on its own, but I've asked you for that help. And so as you're helping me, I'm kind of I'm nervous and I'm terrified that you're helping me at all, but I'm letting you do it because I need the help. Um, and what happens is you or the person will look me straight in the eyes and say this in a really sweet, annoying voice. Aw, taking care of you isn't so bad after all. Or, taking care of you was kind of fun. Okay, let's pause right there. I never know quite what to do when someone says this to me. I never really know how to feel when I when they say this to me in this really weird situation where they are 
there's a power imbalance because they are usually above me helping me get dressed or lifting me in my chair. There's an, there's an ability Im- imbalance that's happening here. And so I never really know what to say. So I'm, I often stay quiet. Like, do I, do, I, do I thank them for this? Should I be grateful that you have, that you've taken care of what I need? Like, what kind of, um, what kind of response am I supposed to give here to make this okay? And I honestly don't know. I honestly have no idea what I'm supposed to do in this situation. Um, but either way, it's super annoying when guys say this to you of the disabled person after sex. It completely negates all the hot sex we had and minimizes our experience into something that you did for me because you felt bad for me. Ugh. See, I thought when we came all over each other, dripping in sweat from ecstasy from the moment we took care of one another, I thought I took care of you too. Like when, when, like, and that's truly how I feel. I mean, I was paraphrasing a bit from the article there, but that's truly how I feel. If if I made you come, and I and you made me come, I feel like the idea of taking care of of something is a mutual thing here. Why? Because all of a sudden your role shifted a little bit, and you need to provide me with more things. Why is it all of a sudden that you have taken on this caretaker role to make yourself feel good about yourself? That is sexual ableism, and I think we need to remember that for sure. I also find it kind of weird when this happens, when 20 minutes before this, you were all deep and sexy and your voice was all gravelly and raspy and really hot, and then the minute you take care of me and you need to like provide me with that assistance, your voice turns into this really sweet, saccharine, weird voice like, ah, taking care of you is no problem, like, wait a minute. Two minutes ago, you were bouncing up and down on my dick and screaming my name in a gravelly, hot voice, and now that's changed? I don't understand, like, what's happening. So, like, I always find that weird, and I always quite never know how to navigate that, and so, like, I just think that if... I think we need to realize that sex for everyone is is each partner taking care of each other, and when you tell me that you that taking care of me is not so hard. You're telling me that I didn't have a role in what just happened and that you did something for me because it makes you feel good about yourself. And that's that's really where the problem lies in that level of ableism. And that level of ableism is so ingrained we don't even see it anymore. We don't even realize that it's a real thing. We don't even... It doesn't even register to us that, that that's ableism. But this has happened to me. This experience of being told that... that someone has taken care of me is so prevalent and it happens to me all the time and every single time I feel icky about it. I feel icky from my standpoint as a disabled person, but I understand also what an able-bodied partner may be trying to say is that this isn't so hard for me and, you know, helping you isn't a big deal and it's just a part of what I need to do to, to fuck you, basically. And um, I wish that people would just say that just say that. Just say that, listen, this is an extra step that I have to do to fuck you. That's hotter than, all oh, taking care of you is the best. We need to find different language that removes the idea of a power and imbalance between the able-bodied partner and the disabled-bodied partner because that stuff, that thing you said where you're, you're taking care of me, that's, that stays with me all the time, and it hurts me really a lot when... I think that I can't provide any, anything to you sexually, and then you have to dress me up, dress me afterwards, and um, 
and put me in my chair, I feel like I I feel like I'm not worth it sexually when I think about that you took care of me. And so what did I do for you? So there's a whole nuanced thing when you say this to me that plays a tape in my head that tells me that I'm not good enough. So just we need again, we need to find different language that is going to make telling me that this extra step isn't isn't a problem for you. I, I understand what you're trying to say, but we need to find different language with which to say it. Also, you getting me dressed after I sucked your dick for 20 minutes should be the least you could do for anybody. If if somebody if two able-bodied partners were if were like, "Hey, so I did that for you. Could you do this for me?" I feel like I feel like <laughs> I feel like I've earned t- the the dressing. I feel like I've earned it because I, you know, did this with you. So um, I feel like I earned your help. That's how I feel sometimes as a disabled guy who, you know, I just I just had you on top of me for like twenty minutes, which, as a disabled person lying there in dead turtle position, isn't necessarily the easiest thing. But I did it. So put my shirt on. Thanks. The second thing you should never say to somebody with a disability during or after, especially during sex, especially if you're a male-identified individual with a penis or just a person with a penis, uh, you should never say this. You should never say, hey, um, so, like, can you get it up? Now, if you've read my blog and you follow my work, I've talked about this a number of different ways before on, on, on the podcast, on other people's podcasts, in blogs. You've seen me say this before, um, but you should never ask a person with a penis who has a disability if you can get it up. In the article, I said a guy with a disability, but I feel like I should be, I feel like that's kind of exclusive and not inclusive, so I'm going to change my language and say I feel like people with penises who are disabled should never be asked during sex if you can get it up, period. It is literally one of the most dehumanizing, desexualizing questions ever posed to a disabled person with a penis, ever. While you should never ask me this question if you want to get in my pants, you should especially never ask me this question when you are in the middle of unzipping, pulling down my pants. I can't even begin to count the times that I have just been about to show a guy my... And I quoted this in the article. I said, I was just about to show a guy my, quote, Cripcock, end quote, and he whispers in my ear, hey, can you get it up? What the fuck? Am I su- I'm certainly not going to get a boner now, buddy. Also, I just have to know, what would you do in that situation if you were, a, if, some, if a guy was about to go down on you, let's say you're able-bodied and you don't identify as having a disability. If a guy were about to go down on you and they were like, hey, so like, can you get it up? How would you react? What is the appropriate reaction here? How would you feel? Um, probably not so great. Am I right? The question itself poses a lot of problems with how we see disability. We assume that people with disabilities are not sexual, which is something that we all know as disabled people is a myth around sexuality and disability. We assume that in order to be sexual, you have to have an erection, which is not true. Um, in order to be a man or a male-identified person, you have to have a penis that works, which is not true. Um, we assume all these things, 
based on our abilities, especially in queer male culture, and I, I will admit to this, the erection is like the, it's the symbol of like, I'm a dude who's going to fuck a dude, and we're going to bro out about it afterwards. Like, it's a very, it's a very telling symbol of like masculinity, virility, all that stuff. So if you can't get it up, and some people with disabilities can't achieve erections on their own, some people with disabilities need to inject things into their body to receive erections. Some people with, with disabilities can't receive erections at all. They receive different types of stimuli. Um, so to ask me if I can get it up is rude. And it doesn't mean that if I can't, I'm not having fun. It just means that my body may work in a different way. And to ask the question at the most vulnerable time, I think is really rude. I think is really inappropriate. And I think that what, what, how does it roll in your head that this is an appropriate question to ask me? And then afterwards, I'm supposed to just be like, oh, sure, here's my boner. Like, thanks for being totally ableist and I'm supposed to still be into this. No, 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 no. So definitely don't ask that. Maybe, you know, maybe just don't ask about someone's ability to have an erection or be aroused. Maybe just have the sex with them and see, how, you know, what body parts are affected. Pay attention to your lover during sex to see how they react. They could be totally into it and their body could not be responding. But if you look in their eyes, you can tell if somebody's enjoying themselves or not. Maybe this means that we, especially as queer, in my experience as a queer man, queer men who, who have sex with other men need to focus on the person they're sleeping with to understand their level of attraction and, and what's going on with them before they assume that just because the guy can't get it up, they're not enjoying themselves. So disability allows for us to look at the, the, the body and sexual arousal in different ways. And I think that this question, can you get it up, needs to be banished from our vocabulary when we think about sexuality and disability. And I never want to be asked it again. If you're, if you're listening to me on the podcast right now and you're thinking about fucking me, which you all should because I'm adorable. I'm also totally humble too, guys. But if you are thinking, hey, I want to get with Andrew one time, make sure you remove this question from your lips and never, never bring it up. We've got more to come on Disability After Dark, but we're going to take a brief break, play some ads, play some cool things, and we'll be right back. Right here on Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability with your host, me, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hi, my name is Ali Wong, and I'm a director, performer, and producer working in opera and theater. I listen to Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. This episode of Disability After Dark is a handmade piece of crippled content created just for you, we record, edit, and produce each piece of this show to bring disability to you in a fresh, honest, and sexy way.
Help us create more episodes and support crippled content creation by heading over to our Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com slash and pledging if you can. Your monthly pledge goes towards things like audio equipment, podcast hosting subscriptions, and everything we need to bring this disability-centered program to you. By pledging your support, you're showing that disability content has value, means something, and deserves a place in our media landscape. Thank you for supporting this podcast. My name is Kyle, and I listen to the Disability After Dark podcast, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I hope you enjoyed those breaks there in the show. Thanks for listening to the ads. I want to thank Come As You Are for being our awesome sponsor. I want to thank you guys for sending in your Disability After Dark promo promo voiceovers for me. If you want to send me one, you can email it to me again, andrew at andrewgerza.com. You can do it on your phone, on your, if you're a podcaster, you can do it that way. It's really easy. I just want you to send in, hi, my name is so-and-so. Tell me something sexy or awesome about yourself. And I listen to Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. Just like that. So you can send that in if you want, and we can build more ads from our listener base. Thank you guys so much. I also need to thank Chris Sujuuchi for creating the amazing uh the amazing intro music you hear when the show starts he created that for me and told me afterwards that the sounds of people of people having sexy noises you hear are him he did that for me all on his own so i think that's really cool he's a fantastic um greater toronto area musician you should all check him out and i really appreciate that he did that for me so just want to give my shout out to him also, quickly, to finish off this weird roll call that I've started, want to thank all my Patreons, my Patreon peeps, for supporting me and for putting your hard-earned dollars down. And if you can't pledge financially for telling your friends and for reviewing the show and talking about it and leaving me suggestions on my Facebook wall and on my Twitter, it really means a lot. So thank you so much. And now, let's get back to the show. Okay, so we were just kind of talking about the four things you should never say to a queer cripple or anybody with a disability during or after sex, uh, the article that I wrote back in January. So we had finished the first two. You definitely shouldn't ask me if I can get it up because that's just rude. So don't ask me that because I'm not going to answer. And you also, as we talked about, should not ask me... You shouldn't ask me... You shouldn't tell me that taking care of me isn't so bad. That's pretty super ableist, and we're not gonna let's let's not ever tell somebody with a disability that it's super hard to come back from, like we talked about. So let's move on to the third thing you should never tell somebody with a disability during or after sex. Um, this one kind of came out of nowhere, and I'm gonna kind of tell you the story behind this. This one. Um, so I met this guy at a conference a couple years ago when I was working and doing disability awareness stuff, and we had a little we had a party after the after the day was done. And this guy said, "Oh well, you know, let's go back to to your room and we'll mess around." And I was like, "Okay." He was really he was cute. He was social justicey. Everything was you know 
Everything was a win. He was totally my type, and he was cool with the disability. So I thought. You'll hear. Uh, and we were getting down to things. We were having a pretty good time. Clothes were coming off. Bodies were being touched. Things were being taken out to be put in other places. Um, we were having. A, it was going pretty okay for an impromptu hookup. Usually I get uncomfortable when I, I'm not able to like control everything around the hookup based on disability. But this was this like impromptu spontaneity was working for me. I was totally down for it. It was good. Uh, and we were done, and we had a good time. I had a good time. And so he was putting, I'll never forget what happened here. He was putting on his shirt. He was putting it back on, and he very nonchalantly remarked to me, I don't know how you do it, man, but if I were you, I'd just end it. I'd kill myself. Whoa, what? What just happened? We just had sex. Why would you, why would those words come out of your mouth? And how the fuck am I supposed to react to that? I was, as I quote in the article, I was utterly and completely taken aback. I literally was speechless. I had no idea what to say here. Not a clue. What do you say after someone says, you know, I mean, it's totally inspiration porny, but then they say to you like, oh man, if I were you, I'd die. What? <laughs> like, how are you supposed, how are you supposed to, to recover from that as a person and also to maintain like this level of quasi-sexiness should you want to get naked with this person again, which I, of course, didn't. But I was like, what am I supposed to say here? Um, I, I was really confused as to where this sentiment came from because we were having such a good time. And like, did you think that by me fucking you was an act of courage or something? Did you think that I was like being really strong about putting your dick in my mouth or something? I'm, I'm not really sure like where any of that came from. And I wasn't exhibiting, like, sad, cripple feelings about stuff before the sex. So I don't really know why he said that. And I was kind of just, I didn't know what to do. Um, and I also didn't understand why the guy felt the need to share this particular sentiment with me. Like, what did he think was going to, um, was, what did he think I was going to say? And what did he, did he not consider how I was going to feel? And this just proves to you that even, even though you as a disabled person may be having sex with an able-bodied person, and you might think, like I did, if I'm, having if I'm having sex with them, they clearly can't be ableist, and they can't make mistakes, and they can't fuck up here because we're fucking, that's, that's a fallacy, because he definitely made a mistake. He definitely was in the wrong here. Now, I feel it, it's important to say that there are moments where I have been in the wrong, and I will do an episode on things... On things I'll do an episode on things that I have done that were definitely in the wrong. Just because I, I feel like sometimes when I share these stories, it sounds like I'm ratting on all the able-bodied people for being ableist. I'm not ratting on anybody. I'm just sharing the experience. But I will do an episode to make clear that I have also fucked up as a disabled person. I've definitely said the wrong thing. I've definitely been inappropriate. And I will share that, not to worry. But in this instance... I couldn't believe the guy said it. I, I, I just didn't know what he thought would come from it, from telling. I think, I think he was trying to say, like, you, you know, you've done well for yourself. You're a really good guy. I, I like you, and I'm, I'm not sure. He was trying to be polite and kind, I think, and just saying that I, that he, I am stronger than most people, which in itself is super ableist because I'm not, I'm not stronger than most people. 
I'm actually kind of like a mushy ball of like feelings and weakness, which I'm owning and I'm okay with that. But like strength and stuff and all, all those words that we use to uplift people, when they're applied to disabled people, there's so much ableism that oozes out from them. I remember that experience uh, so quite vividly. I was, so he left. Like, I didn't say much when he, uh, when he left. I was kind of upset. And so I, I got him to leave, and I broke down. I just cried. I was really upset that night. My friend was with me in the hotel, and we, I just cried for, like, a good couple hours. Um, and that it was just a moment that I won't ever forget, and I can't believe. And this has happened to a lot of other disabled people. I've heard stories where, not necessarily in sexual contexts, but just in the context of people saying that as if it's some sort of compliment, it's totally not a compliment to say you would end your life if you have a disability, especially to somebody who's dealing with disability and living with it every day and experiencing it in different ways. To say that outright and to expect us to be like, wow, thanks, it's not. that's not a compliment. So that was an instance where the afterglow of sex, and I was like, after the sex, I was super happy because this guy was attractive. He was social justice. He was really cute. I was super into him. And saying that, it was like, why would you, why? And it just ruined it. So it turned the afterglow into the after no. So I hope you like that rhyme. But that's basically how that story went down. Let's move on to number four. The one that I will absolutely never forget is the one that starts with, you remind me of. Now, people with disabilities get this kind of thing all the time where somebody's like, hey, I know so-and-so in a wheelchair. Do you know them too? And it's like, yeah, we all, we're all we all in a secret network of people who know each other. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. People assume that everybody with disabilities know each other. One, because it's not necessarily true. But two, because depending on the size of where you live, you might actually know that person. But why would, why would somebody just assume that? It's weird. But this happens to me in... In the weirdest way possible, I met this guy online years ago when I was living in my university town, and we were having, we were literally in the middle of making out with this really good-looking guy. He was uh, bisexual and just learning about coming out, um, and he was uh, considerably older than me, and that's okay because he was cool with everything, and we had you know talked about stuff and everything was cool, and he was into me, or at least he said, uh, and then. Um, so we're making out, and let me, let me reference the articles, because the words, the words in the piece are better than my rambling. So he, um, we're making out, it was the kind of make out that was so intense you can't really breathe, but you don't really want, you don't really want to, because it's just that good. Yeah, that was happening. All of a sudden, he stops abruptly and looks at me straight in the face. I was secretly hoping for a second he was catching his breath and regrouping or something, but I kind of thought he was about to say something disability-related. It's weird. You just sort of know, like, when somebody's about to say something ableist, they get this look on their face, and you're just like, oh, fuck, here it comes. It's coming. They're going to say it. I'm ready. Fuck, fuck. Yep. Yep. They're going to say it. I got to be ready. Okay, here it is. And this is one of those moments um, 
So there we were, half naked on my bed. Either we, I, I said in the article we were on my bed, but we could have been on my bed or in my chair. We were somewhere, somewhere in the middle. We were making out. Uh, and he says we have to stop. We have to stop right now, right now. And I was like, okay, okay, not a problem, no big deal. Like obviously consent's important, so I stopped what I was doing and I said like, okay, well, what's up? What's going down? And he was like. It's because you remind me of my ex's 12-year-old child who passed away. They were in a wheelchair just like yours. And I just thought, what is happening? Like, there I am with my with my naked body out. And I was like, this is Like, what? How do I remind you of your 12-year-old ex's child? And I, I don't think I phrased it right. But how do I remind you of your ex's child, period? That's really problematic. And I didn't. I definitely did not like being compared to this person. Um, it felt really weird. I remember trying to be super sympathetic for his loss, of course, but also really super annoyed and definitely shocked. Not all disabled people look the same, and just because we're both wheelchair users doesn't mean we are at all similar. This is important. Just because me and me and X use a wheelchair user, we are wheelchair users doesn't mean that we are at all similar. This is a really important thing people need to get in their heads. So I'm going to say it one more time. Just because me and John are in wheelchairs doesn't mean that me and John are the same person. Doesn't. Isn't. I was so totally weirded out by that. I also remember being mildly concerned at the time because I was like 25. I was mildly concerned and upset that I looked so young that I resembled a 12-year-old. Um, awkward. So, I mean, I those are just a few of the things that have happened to me in my sexual exploits with people having them say weird things about sex and disability. I also had a guy once tell me, I'm just going to throw this in there, had a guy once suggest to me that I should cut my hair. And when in, <laughs> he went into my, to my kitchen, I did not know this guy. I met this guy an hour before and he was in my house and we were fucking... And he went into my kitchen and got scissors and was like, I'm going to just cut a piece of your hair for you. And he did. And he didn't take the log or anything weird. But he was like, and then he whispered to me, he's like, you have to take better care of your hair. And I was like, well, what does that even mean? That's weird. So that happened to me. I'm not, I, and it was just very strange. It was, those are just some weird moments that have occurred of things that have occurred to me when I'm trying to get it on as a disabled person trying to have sex. So I put this question out to um, to you, the audience, on Facebook and on Twitter and on social media to hear some other stories, and I want to share those with you guys now. Just so you can get a little bit of context as to what I actually posted on Facebook, on April 30th, 2017, I posted, Boosting for Signal Strength, what are the weirdest, most awkward things that disabled people have heard during or after sex will be used for a Disability After Dark episode? I got the old standards of, um, can you feel that? I don't want to hurt you. And then I had somebody write in, well, somebody told her, well, now I can say I fucked a chick in a chair. Like, wow, are you like, I was kind of taken aback by that one because I've heard variations on that, but I never have heard it like actually a story. Like, would you pull out your checklist and be like, wow, and I like, do you have a fuck it list? And then disabled persons on the top of it like and if you do maybe i mean let's look if i am a little bit of your fetish i personally have no problem with that for me 
if you were like, hey man, I really want to sleep with a good-looking, attractive, disabled person, like, I would be okay with you if you worded it that, but if you, if you just tell me, like, now I can say I fucked a person in the chair, like, good for you, thanks so much. Um, and then I had somebody write in, and I love this one so much, they have, they have a seizure disorder, and the person said to them, would you be open to letting me do that when you're seizing? What the fuck? Why would you say that to somebody who's going through a seizure disorder or has a has a disability that means they would seize? Why would you think that's an okay thing to say? Wow, it's just so not okay to ever say that to somebody about their disability after they were just naked with you. Um, I definitely thought, though, that it was like, one of the best responses to my to my comments ever. So I told the person in the comments, I was like, that's the best slash worst comment about this ever. Thanks. Like, but people were very vocal about what kind of things uh, they have been told. People have been told that they weren't, they were being shamed for not being toppy enough, that their body is so delicate because they can't do certain things being shamed for being too tired during sex because of disability. All these things have been, people have been told to their face. And I think why it's important is because we can talk about this in, in a in a context like a podcast where it's not actually happening. But when it's happening to you in your face and you're in the moment and you're trying to like sit there and be like, oh, I, I, I enjoyed that sex, that sex was good and I'm enjoying my disabled body, enjoying that sex. And then that happens to you. It takes you out of the moment. It takes you out of the enjoyment, and it makes that experience soured for you for for all the time. It's soured, and that's really hard. That's really, really, really tough, and that happens to me all the time. So I think if we're going to talk about sex and disability, and if you're going to have questions about it, or if you're going to say something ableist, just don't. And try to think about how the person feels with their dick hanging out, and you just said that horrible, horrible thing you just said. How am I supposed to feel about that? So these things, as disabled people, they stay with us. They stay with us forever. They inform how we feel about our bodies and how we feel about sex. And so those are just some examples of things you shouldn't say to people with disabilities before or after sex or during. Or just don't say things that are going to hurt somebody. That's, I mean, some, my friends, Samantha Fraser and Claire uh, in Toronto who run Tell Me Something Good. They run a, a weekly, a monthly, a monthly storytelling thing here in Toronto called Tell Me Something Good and a podcast called the Tell Me Something Good podcast, which you can find right here. Where right after you listen to me, you should listen to them. Um, but they say something at the, at the beginning of their, their monthly storytelling thing, which is like, whatever your story is, don't be a dick. Don't hurt somebody. Don't be ableist. Don't be racist. Don't be sexist. Just don't be a dick. If it's going to hurt somebody, don't say it. And I think that rule applies to a lot of the stuff that I brought up today. Really, that's all I have to share with the episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. And if you have other thoughts of things that happen to you and you want to share with me and things people have said you want to share, let me know. And thank you guys for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs or book me to bring disability to you 
head over to www.andrewgerza.com. Also, if you're listening to this in iTunes, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. Copyright Notice This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crypto Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, music, and audio recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.